Welcome back to EV News Daily. Coming up today, the Honda Prologue, the Skoda Eniac Milestone, and the Renault 4 nears production. Plus, stay tuned, because later in the show, I'll tell you what Ford is saying about when supercharger access will open for Mac-E and Lightning owners. Well, good morning, good afternoon, or good evening. Wherever you are in the world, EV News Daily is your trusted source of EV information. For Friday, 23rd of February, I'm Martin Lee, and I go through every EV story so you don't have to. And the Patreon supporters get the episodes ad-free. Be like them by clicking on a link on the show notes. Well, Tesla is introducing three additional color options for the Cybertruck through paint film wraps. It's available in its online shop. The new colors are Slip Gray, Satin Rose Gold, and Satin Abyss Blue. They are $6,000 or $6,500. Initially, only for Tesla service centers in California will be offering this new wrap installation of the colored versions. Previously, the stealth black and satin ceramic ones uh, will continue uh, at $6,000. The wraps are made from a uh, like a, a urethane-based film, uh, which Tesla claims is kind of self-healing in a way if it gets any damage, offering protection against scratches and more environmentally friendly being a urethane-based film than vinyl wraps. Tesla previously launched wrap colors for the 3 and the Y, uh, and they were like seven or $8,000. And so if you want a Cybertruck, but you want it to be a little different, I mean, look, all Cybertrucks are going to get a ton of attention, but if you want to get that extra few turns of heads then have it a different color now yesterday we talked rivian's numbers and today we'll talk lucid and i do put them in the same category as being startups of successful companies making incredible vehicles loss making at the moment both with a lot of money in the bank and both rivian and lucid will make it through by the way lots of doom-mongering on social media uh, from, I don't know, people who want to see these companies fail. But Lucid's Q4 net loss was $654 million. The EV maker uh, said they'll make around 9,000 vehicles this year, up from the 8,500 made last year amid concerns over high interest rates affecting how consumers will put an EV in their driveway. In Q4, so the last three months of last year, Lucid delivered 1,734 units of their sedan called the Air. That's a decrease from 1,900 in the same period the year before. Throughout last year, Lucid's net loss ended up being $2.8 billion, and revenue actually dipped slightly. They really need the gravity uh, to I'd get more excitement around the company. Now, I'm so excited, so excited about you know Rivian and Lucid and these startups that are making it, and they're making great. I mean, just it, it is so fabulously hard to do what they're doing, and they don't get the credit for it. Um, the cash position of the... Uh, of Lucid, uh, $4.78 billion in liquidity. The CEO, Peter Rawlinson, uh, said the sales downturn was because of the macro environment, high interest rates uh, affecting auto financing. Of course, Lucid is backed by Saudi's public investment fund. They're not going anywhere anytime soon. They could take them private if they wanted to. Uh, they're going to commit to making uh, vehicles for the Saudi government as well. And Lucid recently resolved some of their production challenges related to the rear-wheel drive version of the Air Pure, 
their more affordable, well, their most affordable version. To boost sales, Lucid reducing the prices. Recently, the Air Pure by $7,500. It now starts at $71.5, which I couldn't afford that, and it is fabulously expensive, but it seems about the right price if you look at the competitive set of the cars. That's the starting price, of course, um, that in that sector, for people who can afford that, it does seem like the right price. And you get just... Incredible engineering with the Lucid. I think Lucid's problem, for for one reason or another, there is not as much excitement around Lucid as there is for perhaps a Rivian, um, and certainly not a Tesla. And that's what Elon Musk did very, very well in the early days. And through all those quarters after quarter of Tesla losing money, Elon was so good at pumping and critics would say lying about what the company can do. And that's not Lucid's style. That's not Lucid's that's not the way that Peter Rawlinson goes about his business, but it did get Tesla over the hump and into profit and and out the other side, and and it still continues to be hard, I'm sure, for Tesla. And I'm not downplaying what they do, but Lucid seems to need a little more sizzle around them, and it's uh, I don't know, a bit of a punching bag at the moment, and I and it, and it shouldn't be. They're a great company. Now let's talk a little bit about how Europe is doing well in the sales numbers. I mentioned yesterday many countries up 20, 30, 40% year on year. I don't know why all this negativity I seem to see in the mainstream media around EVs in the last few months, but the sales numbers are all looking very good. Some softening in some countries, some car makers not hitting the targets they wanted to, but it's a very positive story. It's not, though, if you look at where the batteries will come from, if you are interested in these kind of things about who owns certain things and where they get made. There are 200 battery factories being constructed or planned globally, and a significant number are going to be in Europe. This new report that I found today from Porsche Consulting indicates a gap between those building the factories in Europe and the machinery that will go inside them, because that all comes from Asia and it all comes from China. And China dominate the market as suppliers of battery factory production technology. We've seen this with General Motors and the Ultium cells, and there's nothing wrong with the cells going into the vehicles. There's just not enough of the good ones coming off the production line. I think the yield is very low from what I can gather from what I talk to people in the industry. And also, there are bits of the production line at the Ultium stuff um, that isn't keeping up with the rest of it. And that has to do with the machinery that was bought in, how much GM want to do themselves versus outsourcing, and also um, where the technology comes from. And at the minute, it, the machines that make the machines, they're all Chinese. Only 8% of the high-tech equipment needed in battery production facilities comes from, for instance, Europe. That is considered massively insufficient for influencing technical advancements or establishing a hub for battery technology on the continent. Uh, This new study suggests that European manufacturers need to secure at least 20% of the market share to impact the sector. Despite the capabilities being on par, Chinese companies took a lead by offering complete turnkey solutions to anyone wanting to build a battery factory in recent years. Now, we'll talk about a big, big vehicle today, and that is the Honda Prologue. The embargo's lifted, and so all the reviews are out, written press and videos and stuff like that. Honda uh, have unveiled their Prologue. 
their first, I would say, proper modern mainstream EV because the Honda E was fabulous, but it wasn't. They've, they've stopped it now. And what we get here, which is the E Anyone, is a bit of a disaster. It charges really slowly. It's a terrible EV. It's an okay car, but it's also like £48,000. So it, you've really got to love Honda to have one. This, though, the Prologue, is a proper EV, but it's not made by Honda. This is a Chevy Blazer otherwise. Um, the batteries, the motors, the platform, it's all the same. The temperature knobs, everything is the same as a Blazer, but Honda have gone over it with their design pencil and they've Hondafied it. So there's challenges definitely with the Blazer. It had a sales stop because of charging and software issues, but Honda remain optimistic about the Prologue's launch. Honda have their own quality checks, they say, throughout the R&D system, ensuring very high standards. Unlike the Blazer, uh, the Prologue, I think, has quite an, a unique exterior design. I like the look of the Prologue more than the Blazer. There's no shared body panels. It's got its own Honda design, uh, front-wheel drive and all-wheel drive, 85-kilowatt-hour battery, 296 miles on the two-wheel drive, the front-wheel drive models. So, you know, 300 miles of range is all very good. The platform is solid. There's CarPlay in it, uh, which GM are very, very anti, but Honda have put it in. So it's been Honda-fied. It is a Honda. The Prologue looks really good. They will introduce adapters for the Tesla superchargers so that you will get the NAX access. And uh, it will begin to be sold, the Prologue, in the states that adhere to California's emission standards. Starts at $47,000. And like I say, CarPlay, Android Auto, uh, an app store powered by Google inside the vehicle. Um, and, and lots of good EV charging goodness, like real-time charging stop calculations, battery preconditioning, efficient charging, and all of that by using Google inside it. So uh, the Prologue looks like what the Blazer could have been. And I prefer the styling of this as well. That's about, And that's subjective, isn't it? But this looks great. I hope Honda get enough of them from GM and I hope they can you know, make enough and sell enough to make a real impact because I'm liking the Prologue. Right, coming up, we'll talk about Ford's Supercharger Nax. We should stop calling it. We should call it J3400, actually, uh, because it's now a standard. It's now a connector and it's not the Tesla connector anymore. It's not the Nax connector. It's the J3400 connector. Uh, we'll talk about that and also Ford Pro and how the commercial sector is loving EVs. Stick around back in a sec. But first, if you'd like your podcast ad-free, and maybe you heard no ads there, but maybe you heard one or two, and you can do that by signing up to our Patreon page, uh, 5 or $10 a month. Pays my wages, supports the work that I do here. This is all I do now, by the way. I don't talk about myself, my situation very much, a little bit here and there. People sometimes say we want to hear more about you, but this isn't about me. It's about the EV transition, and, and, and maybe I should do separate personal updates for people that want to hear about what's happening in uh, the, the sort of the lives of the, the people, the YouTubers and the podcasters um, they follow. But as of January 1st, this is all, I've turned down all other work for 2024 and we'll see what this podcast does. And it's scary and brilliant and wonderful. And thank you to the Patreon supporters because I pay my mortgage each month because of you. Thank you. And if you'd like your podcast ad-free, well, you sign up to Patreon at P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash 
EV News Daily. Hey, well done, all the team at Skoda, achieving 200,000 ENIACs in terms of the production, a big milestone of the ENIAC and the ENIAC Coupe, the 200,000th vehicle they have designated. It was a white one, by the way, of the Sportline trim, made on Feb 16th. Uh, the ENIAC series built on VW's MEB platform, Spearheads, Scotters move into e-mobility. They delivered 82,000 of them last year alone within the Czech Republic. Actually, they love that vehicle. The ENIAC and the ENIAC Coupe had a 25% market share of of all electric vehicles. That's the home market, of course. Uh, the ENIAC series also doing really well in Slovakia and Estonia, Finland, Austria and Switzerland. The ENIAC 85, the 85X and the RS models now being equipped with the more powerful electric motors from the Volkswagen mothership, the AP550 motors on the rear axle, all new software and bigger screens as well. It took VW a while to get there, but these vehicles, the Skodas, the ENIACs, the ID4s, the ID7, we need to talk more about the ID7. That looks just brilliant. The software, the package, the fit and finish. That's a very compelling car. That's for a different day. Now, Ford have revealed the adapter for their J3400 uh, CCS adapter, what we used to call the Tesla connector. Uh, then they open sourced it and the standards body got hold of it and made it a standard. So now it's everyone's, which is great. Ford's decision to adopt we kind of called it NAX for a while, NACS. Uh, we should call it J3400 because that's the name of it. Um, we've seen the adapter now, and it looks much like, I guess, a Magic Dock adapter. It's CCS one end and it's J3400 the other. Uh, it's a shift towards the new standard in North America. It briefly appeared on Ford's parts website, uh, priced at $1, I imagine, because their system probably had to have a price in it, but it won't be a dollar. In fact, it'll be free for Mackie and... F-150 Lightning, and customer e-transit, I think not commercial, but uh, retail ones, uh, get this, which is incredible. Well done, Ford. Amazing. You get your free adapter, uh, and then it'll be on sale after that point as well. Now, the Tesla superchargers, the V3s and the 4s will be the ones opening up. 250 kilowatt DC fast charging. Um, we, we don't know what the charge rates will be. We don't know what the temperatures will be like inside this thing. Um, we don't know... How fast the cars will charge? I guess you can't tell inside a, a, a Lightning, can you, on the dash? You have to look inside the app, I suppose, in the front, inside Ford Pass. Uh, but all those things, we can't wait to find out. Now, let's talk a little bit about General Motors uh, scrapping their plans for new electric vans and a compact electric pickup truck. And they say they'll focus on plug-in hybrid versions of the Silverado and the Sierra. The decision affects the Chevrolet Express and GMC Savannah vans, which were considered for pure EV versions based on GM's bright drop technology. The shift is part of GM's broader adjustment to move away from EVs and towards plug-in hybrids. GM's new direction involves a, um, a fast track of finding vehicles that they can put plug-in hybrid technology in. And one of the key questions I asked was, this plug-in hybrid technology, which was announced recently kind of out of nowhere and all oh, our cars are going to be plug-in hybrids and we'll take a you know pause on EVs. Is that the Ultium technology that you are simply going to put smaller batteries inside the vehicle? It's not. It's not the Ultium stuff. So 
I've got so many unanswered questions about this weird GM about face and backing off of EVs and moving into plug-in hybrids. But anyway, that's for a different day. Uh, The company's Ultium platform was designed for full EVs, not currently supporting this new shift, this new direction to plug-in hybrids or range extenders. But maybe it will. Maybe they can change stuff. Uh, Ford Pro are next in the news. And the CFO, Navin Kumar, talking about how commercial customers really love electric vehicles. State, local governments, small businesses, all showing a preference, says the CFO of Ford Pro, for choosing electric over combustion e-transits. It's about half of Ford Pro's business now, which is customers choosing the electric version. In the last year, Ford Pro's Pre-tax earnings was $7.2 billion. It's a huge part of Ford's business. It's commercial customers saying, we want to go electric and we want all the goodness that you offer with that as well. So the subscription to the software, the services, the parts, all that kind of stuff, the rental fleets that use the telematics data, small businesses that look at the health tracking and the locations of the vehicles and all of that. Um, you know, subscriptions to, to retail customers is one thing. Subscriptions to, to the commercial sector is more of a no-brainer if they can make money out of it. Now, one more story, and the Renault 4 is nearing production. Spotted doing some cold weather testing. Renault is reviving the classic models, the Renault 5 and the Renault 4. The Renault 4 has maintained largely its conceptual design with some nostalgia aesthetics in there as well, using the CMF BEV platform like the Renault 5 uh, with shared features and shared aspects of those vehicles. Details are still scarce on two-wheel drive, all-wheel drive, etc. It's a collaborative effort with Nissan and Mitsubishi, their partners as well, and we're looking forward to specific details. And that's your podcast for today. Thanks to our premium partners, Porsche of the Village in Cincinnati, Audi of Cincinnati East, Volvo Cars of Cincinnati East, National Car Charging on the US mainland and Aloha Charge in Hawaii, Derek Riley from Nevo.ie and the Nevo EV Review Island YouTube channel, Octopus Electroverse, global public charging made simple. They've got one app and one map and lease plan electric moments, providing all the tools and guidance EV drivers need. Thanks for listening. I'll see you tomorrow. And remember, there is no such thing as a self-charging hybrid.